0: Chris, welcome back to Win or Learn. You've been going on about this for weeks, mate, in my ear roll. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome to the podcast Burnley and England goalkeeper, Nick Pope. Thank you very much for coming on. How are you doing?
1: No worries, young. Thanks for having me. How are you?
0: Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Good. Popey, so you played
2: a little bit hard to get to try and get you on. It's I've been double messaging you <laughs> on Instagram, haven't I? <laughs> but we've, uh, we've got you. So to happy play, days. It? Keep them keen, uh? keep them keen. Exactly. But just echoing, Jake, thank you very much for coming on, mate. I think the last time I saw you in person, um, I think it was back when you played Spurs away for Charlton under 23. So I don't know if you remember. No. It was a Wednesday Jesus. afternoon. I probably bunked off you <laughs> to come and watch you, Pig and Foxy. Sorry, Mum. Yeah. The score was 10-6 to Spurs. Um, yeah, it's you, you had a good game as well.
1: Oh, it was mental, mate. I can't believe... I don't even know how it happened. Like, obviously, yeah. the lads playing up front, like pigs. I think the pig, he was buzzing, like, and like, he grabbed a couple of goals, and like, the department was okay, but me and defense were absolutely shattered. Like, we just, yeah. uh, they, had a, they had an unbelievable team. I can't remember, like, near 1 to 11, but they, like, I don't know if some of them were like a bit pissed off of not playing or something, but yeah, they definitely made a point. Yeah. Jesus.
2: I seem to remember they had a Mr. Harry Kane playing as well. So uh, yeah
1: I did I think Kane, I think Chadley,
2: yeah,
1: like Lamella, like and like we didn't have anyone over the age of like 22. I don't think. So yeah. um yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a lesson.
2: Yeah. The bottom line is though, you've come a long way, mate, you? <laughs> so Yeah, you,
1: yeah. You, you're an Thanks
2: England for international thankful now, Premier, have, yeah. Premier League footballer, four time England caps. So fair play to you, and I think, you know, we, the reason why we do this podcast is to explore people's journeys and, you know, their feelings, you know, not just through life, but how they've got to where they are. Um, and obviously, wanted to have a little chat to start with and talk about your journey, because I know it's been a very interesting one, and just wondering if we could take you back to the start of it. Where did you start your football, and, and you know, how did uh, Nick Pope's journey begin?
1: Um, so started off probably, what age you want me to go here, and I suppose, like, Started playing football at like eight years old, um, played locally, um, got picked up by Ipswich at 10, so she was there, 10 to 16. Um, it was like really good, like unbelievable setup up um, as a team I supported as a boy. So obviously, where else you'd rather play kind of thing, um, unbelievable staff there and like the facilities were, were unbelievable and allowed, allowed me to still to go and watch the games as well. So. Yeah. Um, it was perfect. Um, I came to an end when I was 16. Well, it wasn't good enough. I got the chop. Um, great for me. hindsight, wonderful thing. Um, absolutely obviously devastated at the time, gutted. Um, but obviously, looking back, it was absolutely the best thing that could have happened to me. So yeah. allowed me to go to a college, um, West Suffolk College in Edmonds. Um, so I went there for three years still my football, I had a good, really unbelievable football set up there that um, allowed me to train every day. Uh, I'd played bucket loads of games, um, some of them men's football for the first time when I was 16. So I just, you know, it gave me like, an unbelievable environment to improve. Um, and from then, three years later, um, I was just about to go to university in Nottingham and uh, I had a trial at Charlton Athletic, and then, um, yeah, thankfully they gave me another chance in the, in the professional game.
0: So, when you were sixteen and you you got released, what was your emotions there? Did you think the that was the end of the road? Did you, or did you always think, "No, I'm going to get back to it"? Uh, you know, I'm going to t- keep turning up, keep pushing myself to try and get that contract.
1: No, I very much kind of felt the end of the road. Because I've been there six years, you know have a long time and 16 year old just still young it just feels like literally the end of the world to you you know um, so at that point I think starting college uh, was just everything needed I left a school that I'd been at for like 8 9 years the same school and I'd left a, obviously a football team that I'd been going to you know 3-4 times a week for 6 years just allowed me to kind of reset and you know kind of Set new goals and have a new focus in life, and meet like um, like new people, and I'm told now new people because went to college where I didn't know anyone that I played football with from Ipswich, and I didn't know anyone that I went to school with. Um, So literally, you know, everyone everyone I met there was it was just uh, something that you know uh, I took the dive um, obviously into into that kind of new new environment, and it worked out. Good, good.
2: So I know a lot lot of your team from Charlton, you know, you you just touched on there, you joined there at 16. Um, They're a lot of your lifelong friends now, aren't they? And I know you all go in different directions in football. And, you are you know, we were looking, doing our research before on some of your loan spells and and (laughs) it it looks like an interesting stage of your career. But, you know, a lot of your mates, your teammates become a lot of your, I don't know, not brothers in arms. probably going a bit too far here. Um, But, you know, you're going in different directions, but you, you all stay in touch and, you know, from what I understand and, you know, that, that, you know, your friendships develop
1: that way in football. Yeah, I think very much um, when you get older in football, um, uh, and you maybe move clubs and you don't have time to kind of develop that sort of kind of friendship or relationship or whatever. And, but when you're younger, you know, you haven't got many commitments, as many commitments off the pitch. And, you know, you are spending a lot of time together and, you um, I'll see a couple of lads I live with as well. So, you know, you're training together all day and then you're going like, home together as well and living in the evening together. So, you know, you build, I think, stronger, stronger friendships that way. And um, then as you would as a, an older footballer or someone just older in life, I think that's probably where, you know, you build your really strong kind of you know friendship through that.
0: So you're talking there, you mentioned just some loan spells. We were having a look at your your Wikipedia. Um, a yeah. few loan spells in there, sometimes just a couple of appearances. What, what was that period like where you were just going from club to club? And what's that like when you've got to try and settle in and make a name for yourself at a new club uh, on a regular basis?
1: Um, I just kind of saw it as like opportunity, really. Obviously, I knew... Going to Harrowborough, if I'd done well, I was never going to play for Charlton like the next week in League One or the Championship. But, you know, if I'd done well for Harrowborough, then I could, uh, you know, get a loan move to the conference south. And then if I did well in the conference south, I could get, you know, to the next level and the next level. And we're always gaining experience by, by doing that and playing, you know, good football, I think. Um, you know, although it's obviously a lot lower down the period, you know, you you're playing real football. I think, you know, under-23s football, um, I had a little bit of reserve team football actually when I started um, at Charlton, but it's never going to be as intense. There's never that, um, like, three points on the line kind of feeling um, with fans in the ground, you know? So I think it was something that was just, you know, massive for my development. And, and every time I went on loan, I just saw it as an opportunity. Some Sometimes... No, it was really tough. Sometimes it, it, it went really well. It's kind of while then whether it went well or went bad, you kind of take the good in the bag and use that experience to to make the next next loan a better one and you know more enjoyable and you know put yourself in a better place. You know, so it's something that. I spent, like from college I kind of took you know meeting all them people in one go you, then you're doing that in the football world you know when I joined Charlton it was the same thing and every loan was a, was the same thing with you know meeting new people and new teammates and obviously having to get on the pitch straight away and perform together
2: yeah yeah I think you know what you mentioned there around the highs and lows I'll sort of come on to that when we sort of you know finish off your journey and uh I sort of know from knowing that the journey from you know, playing for Charlton to, to Burnley was quite a quick one for you. I think it was only 30-odd appearances. Um, yeah. Did you expect that or did you, I know you would have been trying to push for it, but, you know, really, did you feel that happening as you were, as you were playing better and getting more first-team experience? How did that go? Um,
1: yeah, um, when I, I kind of broke into the team, uh, probably the February time uh, of the season, I moved... Obviously, endless is my move to Burnley. So as soon as you get in the team, you're kind of concentrating on that. And obviously, we were fighting relegation and trying to get points on the board. So you're not really thinking too much about, oh, if I do well for the next game, then this might happen or this might happen. So I think I was very much focused on that. And obviously, for me as well, not only playing to stay in the team or get a move, but then if I done well, then and even if we still got relegated, you know, I'd be in kind of a, a top league one team playing every week which probably been a step forward in my career or if we'd have stayed up I'd have been you know a position to a championship's number one so something that didn't really take my focus until after the last game season, when obviously we're relegated by that time uh you hear about you know potential options you might have
2: yeah yeah I know as well you've you've got quite a young family now haven't you you've got a missus and two young kids and obviously how did they adapt to to the, to the move and support you through that
1: um uh, it's it's hard like i you know i think people in football do it different ways you know you can either you know, try and set up a base and kind of live live around that or i think you kind of all move together to your new area and obviously which is probably away from family and friends you've already built up um, and that, you know, that that's a route we taken i totally respect you know People doing different ways. Uh, it's totally everyone's decision and what everyone's comfortable with and what everyone is best for themselves. But, um, you know, we, we moved to, we just all, all moved up, you know, and started kind of a new life um, uh, near Manchester. So, it's, a, it's one of them. It, it's part and parcel of football. You kind of, you know, the career is a short one. It doesn't go on forever, you know. So, when the opportunity comes up to, to move to a Premier League club, you, you know, you would snap your hand off.
0: So, when you signed for Burnley and you become that first choice goalkeeper, how did you feel? Like, did you feel you feel like you was at your peak there? Like you're in your prime, you're playing Premier League football, and you get a call from for the first time for the England squad. Are you just feeling on top of the world at that at that point? Um, you know, talk, talk to us how that sort of that first England call, the one we all dream of as young boys kicking a ball around <laughs> the park, that that phone call. Talk, talk to us about that experience. I'm, I'm still waiting for
1: mine. So. Yeah, you won't get <laughs> the, You will not get <laughs> um, Yeah, I wouldn't say I was at my peak. Like, I was probably 30 games, probably less than that, 25 games into my Premier League career. So I was just kind of enjoying playing week and week out in the Premier League for the first time and in a Burnley team that was chasing, you know, European football. So, you know, really exciting. And obviously it was my first season playing for Burnley, my first season playing in the Premier League and it, you know, the team was doing well. I felt like I was doing well. So, it's kind of riding the wave and obviously really enjoying, you know, football at that point. Um, and then kind of before the March international break. So, that was kind of the, the first England squad for, for four months. And I felt like I'd had a, a good season up to that point. Um, obviously, a World Cup was around the corner. So, kind of hoping that I might sneak in the back door to kind of go there, kind of out of nowhere. But obviously, realising if I did, getting this march squad it would have been you know really unlikely so um remember we played west ham on a saturday uh kind of all this is kind of it's always in the back of your head and there's always um stuff written about it there's hundreds of people asking you about it you know family friends what do you think is this gonna happen is it gonna happen but uh, it's all good news it's all positive you know you just like riding the wave things are going well so once we went to west ham that saturday um got battered a little bit in the first half. Um, you no, know, I made a couple of saves, done quite well. And then the second half, and I ran away with it and, you know, one three 0 And it was, just remember at the end of that game thinking, like, unbelievable, whatever happens, like, maybe I don't get called up, maybe I do, but, you know, I've, I've done well. I can be proud of myself. I've, I've put in the right effort. And, you know, today on on the back of a international break, you know, couldn't have gone any better. So, it was, um, I had a good feeling after that. Um and then kind of the week after uh, I got called into the office uh, at Burnley and it was me and you know James Tarkovsky and uh, kind of the manager let us know that you know we'd been we'd been the England squad together. So it was um know, yeah, it was class to you know have him break the news to us and and be with obviously Tarks as well. You know, when I was sat in the and I sat in the office it's normally can, can be a bad thing like so yeah. when, when Tarks was next to me I kinda of felt a lot more comfortable, yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was class.
2: Good, good. i going to ask you two questions, mate. I'll start with the first one. What, what did it feel like putting on England jersey for the first time? You know, I can imagine, I'm a goalkeeper as well. I never quite made it to your level, unfortunately. <laughs> but I know that, how, how nerve-wracking and what a pressurized position it is. Um, now, making your Premier League debut for me would be, I can't even imagine that, but let alone making it for England in front of, yeah. the, in front of the whole nation. Yeah. Number first question, how does that feel?
1: The England one.
0: The England debut,
1: yeah. Yeah, so um before the World Cup, obviously got so made the World Cup squad at this point. Um, and there was two warm up games, um, one at Wembley and one at Ellen Road, the second one. Um, and the night before the game, uh goalie coach kind of knocked on my door and said, you know. Um I'm not saying too much, but you know, make sure your parents are there tomorrow and and whoever else you who's been on the journey with you and whatever, um, you know, just give you a heads up, basically, wouldn't want to miss it. So, obviously, I had a really good feeling at that point. of um, remember kind of sleeping really well, you know, I've as a friendly against, you know, Costa Rica at, at home and I'm yeah. uh, thinking, no, amazing. I, I, was, I, didn't, I was never going to start the game. I was going to come on for like 20 minutes at the end, so you know, something really looking forward to. And, you know, just remember doing a warm-up than half-time, kind of waiting for, you know, the curly finger to say, you know, yeah, on you go. So, we, we, I think we were 1-0 up in the game and it was going well, unbelievable atmosphere as well. I think when England play on the road, like away from Wembley, the, the atmosphere is always stopped fast, whether it's, you know, down south or up north. So, um, ground ground was buzzing, really good spirit in the squad. Um and a, a real good buzz around the group at that time. So, obviously going into a, a World Cup. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was perfect to, you know, come on in that moment, um, scored another goal, 1-2-0, no, perfect, you know, preparation to, to then go into a yeah, World Cup tournament. Yeah. What did Gareth give it? Probably go and get warmed up, one of those off the bench. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you're going on in goal, yeah, not, not, not yeah. up front. Yeah, so. yeah, not
2: the number nine. It it away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put the right um, shirt on I'll
1: uh, put the right shirt on. Yeah, well.
2: <laughs> There's still time, mate, don't worry. Um, <laughs> but you mentioned that you seem lead perfectly onto my second question, mate, about the World Cup. Now, you know, you were out there at that time and we were obviously back in the pubs getting battered because of the it's coming home movement. Um, (laughs) now it'd just be like incredible insight you know for for us and our audience just to sort of understand you know what was it like as players whilst I mean literally mate the whole country (laughs) I know that's a bit of an understatement was behind you but it was more than ever you know because the the way the team played the progress they you know to get to semi-finals yeah yeah and it's still better we didn't get through but you know what was it like being out there and, and experiencing the support from sort of underneath the country
1: yeah it was class I don't think you could ever kind of grasp how how big it was if you know, you're in a, a country like a massive country and like, we're in like this hotel in a forest like not really around people kind of thing so you kind of after the game you're going straight back there and um, you know obviously with tournament football I found strange, what is quite weird like you go to a game and if you lose you're flying home the next day so like you're not packing your bags but you're thinking you could be packing your bags if you lose so like to have that sort of on the edge feeling and win, and then you know, going back to the hotel, it was just uh, unbelievable buzz of you know, winning a knockout game in a tournament, you know, uh, and obviously the biggest tournament of, of them all. Um, and then so we had fans in the ground, the atmospheres in the, in the ground were were class like for all the games, remember. Um, and then you always kind of got that thing of you know, you get on the bus after the game and you kind of have, videos over social media of what it was like at home and it just looked like it was absolute <laughs> madness like I think March, yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah it
0: was yeah, just, just me and you in the middle of the street just jumping up yeah, and down yeah. like <laughs> so, uh, on,
1: the, on the traffic light yeah so just kind of that's how you got the feeling of kind of what it was like back home but obviously I had unbelievable support out there and obviously I knew that we had you know a terrific amount of support back home as well so it was kind of yeah just riding the riding that sort of way yeah
0: so, you've mentioned it just a second ago about the different pressures of being a goalie now. You played in goal. I, I can't get to grips with how that position would have more pressure than, than the rest of the field. But can you tell us the pressures of being a goalie? You're the last line of defence. Uh, if you make a mistake, it's pretty much a goal. Uh, whereas if a centre mid makes a defence, a mistake, it's, it's, you know, it's just a misplaced pass. Do you feel that pressure at all now or is that just that just part and parcel of, of your what you do?
1: I think it's part and parcel, something that you kind of learn to live with or learn to play with. Um I think, that, I think that's where we're coming from as a goalkeeper, you know, other people make a mistake and there's always a goalie behind them or ten others, you know. But where if a goalie makes a mistake, it's normally, you know, cost costly and um, normally looks horrific. <laughs> um, so it, it's just while in things that you kind of grow used to you can't be you kind of see as normal you can't be you got to see it as everyone makes mistakes like whether land Outfield player or a goalkeeper or a person walking in the street you no know, everyone makes mistakes in life um so it's just about normalizing it don't be scared of them or don't make that affect your game it's kind of about you know do what you can to affect the game in the in the best possible way and I don't kind of don't really think about it some mistakes are something that are going to happen throughout a season throughout now however long so it's just about responding and when they happen obviously I still feel sh- shit like <laughs> when you make a mistake like it's, it's rubbish but it's about you know parking it as quickly as possible and and moving on you know there's still minutes to play you know you're still fighting so I think there's it's something that with we'll experience, you definitely learn to kind of park and then move on. Yeah,
2: it's very interesting. We, we, we do a lot of stuff on here to try and not promote mental health, but to spread a message and talk about, you know, some of our own experiences and how people combat it in your day-to-day life. We've also touched on social media quite a lot. Yeah. Um, for me, the two, the two of those come hand in hand, especially, you know, being a goalkeeper, if you make an error, that it, or a footballer in general, there is a backlash on Twitter, right, or whatever platform it is. Um, you know, not you individually, but footballers in general, how do you guys get supported to deal with those low moments and, you know, the backlash of the pressures of the world, really?
1: I think you're supported by other um, people around you, whether that's your family or, you know, your friends you're close to or your teammates that may have been through similar things or know what you're going through. I think, you know, it's all about you kind of support kind of group, if you like, or the, you know, the, the bubble close around you, you know. Where, if you... Like if I save a penalty and we win one nil, like I've got you know, thousand WhatsApps. But if I chuck one in and we lose one nil, you get you get a couple. Yeah, if you're lucky, maybe <laughs> maybe not even that. So it's just that's just part and parcel, you know. I think um, when you're when you're in a family or in a friendship kind of circle, you know, sometimes you need to lean people and sometimes people need to lean on you if they're going through low moments or tough moments. So. That's, I think that's a, a massive part of de- dealing with that sort of thing.
0: So we know last year was a bit mad for the whole world with with COVID. What was it like as a, as a footballer during lockdown? Were you still trying to train? I know I saw some clips on social media, some footballers in their back garden, trying to do what they can. Uh, and, and what was that period of like, when's football coming back? Were you? How did you prepare for that? Strava wanker.
1: Yeah. It was, it was a lovely time. That Um, yeah, obviously my my back garden was absolute building site, so there was no football going on out there. I tell you that it was, um, yeah, there was no grass. Um, So I think it was weird, kind of like you say, like kind of not knowing of if football's coming back. When's it coming back? You know, when's training going to restart? When's the season going to restart? And if that's all going to happen, like at the time, you know, I think everyone's the same boat as coronavirus but how dangerous is it and where is it dangerous and you know how likely is it or whatever to affect me and and your life so I think there's a lot of kind of uncertainty around that time um I think big one for like you get time to you kind of using that time wisely I think you know I think it would have been it's so easy just sit home and watch tv or be on your phone all day and then another day ticks by and you not really left the house (laughs) yeah so I think um that was a that was a big thing for me, was obviously t- taking up cycling. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop it in because it was a a big part of what helped me during you know lockdown was to have a, a new focus. Um you know, as a goalkeeper, like I never felt like if I went running that was gonna do me many favours, like or if I, like running on a road or you know, running to do a marathon, like some <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I didn't... <laughs> I, I didn't think that was going to help me on my football, but I felt like taking up cycling and have that new kind of focus would help me, you know, keep and build muscles around my legs and my knees and my quads, uh, and help me stay fit that way. Obviously, keep the weight off as well, which you know I'm not, I don't want to go back to a Premier League club and nine games to go, twelve kilos overweight, like it looks horrific and I ain't gonna be able to move in the goal. So. It was something that, you know, went online, bought a bike, which was hard to do at the time as well, by the way, because everyone was buying bikes. Um, Got some Lycra and, yeah, went my way, downloaded a couple of apps. Um, (laughs) And like I say, yeah, it it gave me a new focus and a new, um, like, it gave me, uh, like, the feeling that I could still improve my game and, and still, you know, was focused on football and, staying fit and, you know, looking after myself in the best way. So when the, the season did restart, I was in, you know, the best possible shape to kind of go again.
2: Yeah. I, re- I really appreciate the insight we're getting through this and sort of, you know, your journey, how you deal with things and, you know, especially during the lockdown and stuff and, you know, staying fit in the mental side of it. Um, So before we sort of round this up, you know, what what, what does the future hold for Nick Pote? You have know, got the Euros coming up this summer will be being well, World Cup next year. It's, it's going to be a bump of time. Um, you know, aspirations and goal for you as a person.
1: Um, obviously, yeah, to be part of the next two tournaments um, will be massive. Obviously, two and eighteen months. Don't think it's ever happened before. First winter World Cup in a, in a new country. Um, obviously, possibility of uh, Euros with games at Wembley. So, you know loads of uh, you know exciting things um, on the horizon. So like determination-wise and kind of hunger-wise, every, everything's there, you know, to kind of be motivated to the absolute maximum to uh, do, do my best. Um, so I think that, I think that's a big thing for me. I think still playing Premier League games. I got my 100th the other day, like massive achievements. Something I'm like really proud of. So love to kind of build on that total and um, like I say, I'm doing the same with England as well.
0: Yeah. One thing I've got to ask you, you are a starter in my fantasy football team. Are you in your <laughs> own fantasy football team?
1: <laughs> it's actually something I, I had to give it up because like, so I had a rule. I did fantasy football I last year or before, but so I'd have a team and then if we played against anyone, I'd have to bench them or sub them out because I couldn't look at myself in the evening if someone's got points against my team, if you like, being... Um no playing in the Premier League. And then I swear, like six weeks in a row, like team people I was subbing out or sell, selling or whatever were scoring against me or, or <laughs> you know what I mean, or getting points against me. I just like I said, I can't even do it anymore. Like, I can't even look at it anymore. Um so that that's what stopped me doing it. Um so I i never have missed it so yeah. Um, that, that's the answer to that question but I, yeah I can't play fantasy football now either for that reason <laughs>
2: if it was me I would have tripled Captain Deguero if I was playing against him just let them all in <laughs> so, that, that, that's just me um, but Pope you just both, you know, we both want to say thank you so much yeah. so you're on England duty the past couple of weeks taking the time out to speak to us it's incredibly kind of you, mate. And you know, we, we both really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. And uh hopefully we'll do this again one day. Yeah, fingers crossed, you know,
2: win or learn, as we say.
1: <laughs> Spot on. Cheers for having me, lads. Nice one. Take care, mate. Cheers, man.